This is the J.P. Maroney Audio Vault. All right. So J.P. Maroney here. So uh, J.P., tell me something about why you planned on recording this session. Yeah, I'm super excited about producing this particular piece of content. We're calling it Pillars of Profit. And I was looking for something to encapsulate this whole idea of what are the timeless business strategies that have always worked and that will continue to work and that are working right now. And as I began to go back and look at all the things that I've been doing to build a business over the last almost 30, well, I guess 27, 28 years, something like that, building companies, I realized that there are some of these things that are timeless, but they also actually are working better today than they've ever worked before. So I'm excited to start recording some of this, getting it out there, and then of course getting this new book put out in the near future, Pillars of Profit. Um, and I was really excited about this particular session because it talks about defining your target market or your ideal buyer. And that's one of the most critical pieces of things or steps that a business owner can make in their business journey. Wow, new book. All right, so let's right, uh, jump right into the interview. So first question, what are the big reasons why a business owner must define their ideal buyer? Um, I'm going to come back to that as we, um, as we get into this and give you some specific step-by-step -step reasons why a business owner needs to define their ideal buyer. But I want to cover a couple of key points before we do that. And that includes maybe some of the mistakes that business owners make, as well as some of my thoughts on why this is so important. Number one, we've all heard that phrase that what you don't know won't hurt you. Well, actually, in the world of business, what you don't know will hurt you. Um, if you don't know your target customer and you don't understand that target buyer clearly and can't articulate it and really put it into an encapsulated view of who that person is, then it will hurt you. It will hurt your business. One of the biggest mistakes that I see business owners make when they go out there and they try to start a business or they're trying to grow a company and maybe they buy a business, an existing business but they're trying to grow that company is that they think everyone is their market. Like they'll think to themselves, well, this is a great product or service. Everybody should have this product or service. Well, just because every person should have a product or service doesn't make them the target market. There is a supreme ideal buyer. And when you define that ideal buyer selling and marketing and producing your advertising and all the things that it takes to grow a company become a lot easier We've often heard that phrase, jack of all trades, master of none. Well, I often say it this way, trying to be all things to everyone in business means that you'll end up becoming nothing to anyone. And if you can't really drill in and define who your target buyer and target market is, running and building and scaling a business is gonna be extremely challenging. I also see business owners make a mistake where they start with a product or a solution and not with the market. And entrepreneurs all the time make this mistake. So here's what they do. They think of a clever idea. They wake up one morning and they go, boy, that would be a great thing to produce. That'd be a great product or a widget or a solution or people who are in the information marketing space. They write a book. Um, they, you know, they've been this lifelong dream of writing a book. So they sit down and, spend hours and days and weeks and months and some people even years writing this book. Um, or as I said, an entrepreneur creates a product and then they look up and they go, Hmm, 
I wonder who will buy this product. And they go out trying to find people to buy the product. And that is absolutely backwards. Um, we're going to be going over this in some of our training in this content that we're producing. And actually, I plan to put it early in the book in, as part of the introduction where I talk about my triple threat. But this idea of the market is the first step in that triple threat, which is market message monetization. And so you got to get the market right first. You can't go produce the product, the monetization, the offer. You can't do that first because it's going to be very challenging then trying to figure out, well, how do we find somebody willing to buy this product or service? And so starting with that product or solution first and not starting with the market is a huge mistake that, that entrepreneurs make. And you know, if you really back off, because people begin to think about, okay, well, what product or service could I produce and who's my market and how do I figure out who that is? There's one really cool way to look at it. And that is to start with the idea of helping people, helping other people. I often say that service to humanity is man's greatest work in life. We get back in direct proportion to what we give to the universe, to what we give to others, to what we give to the world. Well, when you start to define your product or your service in your business, and then you do this, this whole process of finding out who your target market is, it should constantly be drilled into your mind of how can I help these people? Building a business, creating a product or service, growing that business, selling a lot of it, making a lot of money is all about helping people. I often say that in life, the more you give, the more you get. But you got to give, give, give before you get, get, get. That's law. You can't get around that. And what's cool is that when you get focused on helping people, the right people, when helping your target market solve their problems, selling becomes almost effortless. It's like you, you, you know, there's the hard way and there's the easy way. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in some of what we do here. Um, but I want to start with, and I'll get into these three reasons in just a minute, but I want to start with an illustration. I want to start with what is the most critical factor in determining your success in business and in your marketing. And I want to do that by setting it up with this illustration. So let's say that you were planning to open a new restaurant. What do you think would be the most critical, most important thing that you would want on opening day? Well, a lot of people say, hmm, great food, a great menu, a beautiful restaurant, a sign. That, that'd be a good thing, right? Some advertising. All these things would be important. A great staff, you know, someone standing there at the door greeting people as they come in, having your team all clicking and, and working together and all of that. And those things are all important. In business, we, we have all these factors that are important. But what is the most critical factor that you would want on that opening day that would have the biggest effect on whether or not you could be successful or not? And it's this, a starving crowd. Think about it. A hungry group of people will put up with a lot of crap. <laughs> They'll uh, eat maybe, um, in some cases, food that's not quite so good. Um, and they might put up with bad service and all these things, maybe not forever, but if they're starving and they're hungry and, and man, they, they have to get something to eat and you're the guy standing there offering the food, that's the biggest determination to your success. And now you want good food. You want a good menu. You want a good staff. You want a beautiful place. 
you want to sign, you want all of that stuff, but you have to start with a starving market, a starving crowd. And your business is no, no different. If you want to sell a lot of stuff, then don't make the mistake that so many business owners or entrepreneurs make of creating the product first and then trying to go out and find out who wants it. Instead, find your starving market first, that market of people who have a problem and a problem that's so big and so painful that they're willing to part with their money to get a solution to that problem. And then and only then will you have true success and maybe not effortless success, but much less friction in growing your business. Now, I wanna get into those three reasons. We covered a lot of that in what we said, but I really wanna define what are the three big reasons why you must define your market. Number one, it makes marketing easier. Why does it make marketing easier? Well, you know where to look, you know where to advertise, you know what to say, all of that becomes easier whenever you know who it is that you're going after. It makes, number two, marketing more efficient. Why is that? Because if you're going out there and spending money trying to target everyone, which is really not targeting, you know, it's sort of a, what I call spray and pray approach to marketing. But if you're shotgunning out there and putting your message out to everyone, well, that's gonna be pretty expensive. Think about the cost of a Super Bowl ad, right? Um, today, when we're recording this, it's Super Bowl Sunday here in the States. So, uh, big day, going to be millions and millions and millions of dollars spent today on advertising. Is it worth it? Hmm. You know, you, you're reaching everybody and you're spending an awful lot of money and a lot of companies do it to make a splash. And a lot of companies that have a big consumer brand where a great percentage of the market would be interested in their product or service maybe, maybe, very, very limited, slim maybe, but you're advertising and marketing to everyone, huge, big, wide audience, way out there. Now, you're marketing to football fans, so if you were marketing a football-related product or memorabilia or something like that, maybe. Maybe that would be a good place for you to put your money. But the problem is, is you're still spending dollars to reach a lot of other people in that marketing that are not your target market. And it's an inefficient way to market. So your targeting, understanding your, your target buyer helps make your marketing more efficient. And number three is that it makes your messaging easier. I often say that good marketing, that means you're advertising, the words you're saying, what you're illustrating in front of people. I often say that good marketing enters the conversation going on in the mind of the prospect. Well, you gotta know who that prospect is and you gotta know what's on their mind, right? But once you do that, then you can create a message that will resonate with those people. So when you know who your market is, and I have taken business owners through this process over and over again, and it's like the blinders come off and for the first time they can see crystal clear. It's like a, a child or even an adult, but it's someone who's had vision problem and have never had a pair of glasses and all of a sudden they reach over and they get glasses for the first time and they put those glasses on and they're like, whoa, it's a whole new world, right? So understanding your market is just like that. Once you define who that target market is, what they want, 
what they have, uh, what they're interested in, all these things that we're going to go through in this, this training, then crafting that marketing message becomes so much easier. What are your five rules to follow when defining your ideal buyer? So I have what I call my five rules to follow when defining a target market. Number one, that market must be clearly definable. In other words, you have to be able to put them in a box and figure out these are the characteristics, here's the demographic information, et cetera. We're gonna go through all of that information here in a moment. But the more focus that you get on describing your market, the easier it will be for finding them and ultimately selling to them. But they must be clearly definable. The second rule is that they must have a problem that you can solve. Well, that means that you have to go and look at your product or service if you've created it already and begin to think about that product or service. What problems does it solve? For whom does it solve those problems? How does it solve that problem, et cetera? So you've got to really make sure that there's going to be a matchup between the problem that someone has and the solution that you provide. But they must have a problem that you can help them solve. And here's the rule related to that or the, the phrase or statement related to that. So people only buy for one of two reasons. Number one, they buy because you solve their problem. Or number two, they buy because you make them feel good. And preferably both. But if you're not solving problems, you've got a really, really tough road ahead of you because people don't spend money because they need to. They spend money because they want to. They want an outcome or a solution. So they have to have a problem that you can help them solve. Number three, they must have money. In other words, the ability to pay for a solution and they must be willing to part with their money for that solution, which means that problem has to be big and painful enough for them. But they've got to have money. If you find a group of people with a problem and they're looking for a solution, but they don't have money or they're not willing to spend money to solve their problem, then you're going to go broke. You're going to go out of business. Number four, there must be enough of them to build a business around. So you have to think about what kind of business you want. And we're going to walk through that process earlier in the book um, about defining some goals and what it is that they really want out of their business, kind of going through a little process of goal setting. But when you're looking at your market, you really have to make sure that you've got a group of people that is big enough to facilitate the size of revenue or sales that you want. There have to be enough of them to build a company around. Now, there are several ways you can think of that. You can think of that locally. You can think of that regionally or nationally or even globally. So you can think of it in terms of geographic terms. Are there enough people that I can reach in this market, wherever I'm at, or if I'm reaching a global or national market, can I reach those people? And then there's another way that you can look at it is potential spinoffs. So for example, let's say that I had been really successful building a consulting firm for air conditioning contractors. Well, what are air conditioning contractors really at the end of the day? They are service businesses in the home services industry. So if you think about air conditioning is here, but if there's a broader industry of home services, well then what other categories of businesses fall within that home services industry? And is it possible that the product or service, the solution that I provide would be applicable to other people in those other categories of home services businesses? 
So would it also apply to plumbers and electricians and other businesses that go out and serve homeowners? Well, that's possible. So you can think of what I call spinoffs where you can grow laterally in your business by offering the same product or service, maybe packaged in a different way or maybe messaged in a different way. But it goes back to this principle, this rule number four, which is you have to have a market, a group of people that are big enough to build a business around. And number five, that group of people must be accessible. In other words, you've got to be able to get to them. There are actually markets and some people, you know, watching or listening to this content or maybe reading the book later will experience this or have experienced this, that you go out and define a market and it actually is a real group of people. But whenever you start trying to figure out how you're going to advertise or market to them, it's super difficult and it requires a lot of manual labor of outreach or digging out who they are or going to certain types of events or whatever to be able to reach that particular market. They're not easily definable and therefore you run into those challenges. And it doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. So you need to make sure as you're defining and looking at this market and you're following these five rules that you've found a group of people that you can actually get to. What motivated you to write this particular book at this day and age? So in our business at Harbor City, now Harbor City Group, which includes Harbor City Capital and then the companies that we own within the group, we were able to define our own target market. And it's funny because we went through the same process that I'm doing in this chapter. And as we began to think about who our target market was, I had been torn over the last five years of building this company that we actually had two, two target markets. On one side, we have the business owners that we serve, the entrepreneurs, the CEOs, the business leaders that we serve through our lead generation activities. That's our mechanism or our machine for turning money into ROI or more money. And then on the other side, we had our investors. And that's actually a target market for us. It's people that are looking to put money to work and get some kind of a return on their money. And I was having this massive internal conflict for five years, literally, of how do I really define um, our advertising messaging? If you remember some of the stuff we were just talking about is that writing your advertising and figuring out where to market and, all, and how to say it becomes easier when you define your target market. And I, it, it was not easy. I was challenged with it because I was like, well, now we got to produce two pieces of content. we got to produce content for business owners and then we got to produce content for, for uh, investors. And so I was real frustrated by it. And I, I was, at the same time, I was wanting to start putting out a lot more content. I have, as you and some other folks know, I have training programs I've done over the last 20 years or more that um, share a lot of really good content and there's good information, but I had not done a lot of it in video format. So I was wanting to create some content that we could put out into our market to educate them, to help them grow their businesses, to be more successful, to be better investors, be more successful as an investor, make more money, whatever that was, that would endear them to us, build trust with them, show them that we know what we're talking about. And um, as I began to think about what that content was, having this internal conflict of who is my target, who am I talking to, forced me to go through this process. So I went through the process and one of the, the principles I'm gonna share here in a minute, one of the strategies 
is to look at who your existing and past clients have been. And what I defined and discovered was that about 75% of the people who have invested with Harbor City also are business owners, entrepreneurs. And so I created a new definition of who our ideal target was overall for Harbor City Group, which was business owners who invest. And it's actually up on, on my board. It's B-O-W-I, Bowie, uh, business owners who invest because I went through this process myself. So then, just like I've described in this, in this chapter and in this process, um, messaging became super easy. All of a sudden, I, I know who I'm going after. I'm going after business owners of a certain size because we only target accredited investors, $200,000 a year income or greater, million dollars net worth or greater, excluding primary residents. It's gotta be guys that, or, or gals that are making some money in their business. And so, it allowed us to define who the, who the market was for us. And then once I defined who that market was, I began to think about what are their biggest challenges and frustrations and pain in growing their businesses. And it's, it's really comes down to getting more customers in the door, being able to increase sales and revenue and being able to put together uh, marketing campaigns that, that produce tangible results. And as I began to think of all that, I was like, you know what? I know a lot of stuff about that. And I began to, on my whiteboard, literally one night I came down in my office here at the house and began to write on the whiteboard. And I was, and I was writing and writing and began to run out of room. I was like, I know exactly what we need to share with people. And then it was a matter of how do we package that in a way that is, um, the messaging is congruent throughout. And then I was like, well, you know, these are like the pillars of business. These are like the the anchors, the, the, the main foundation or fundamental pieces of what it takes to be successful in business. And boom, that's when it hit me. I was like, pillars of profit. That's going to be the book. What are the six steps to defining the ideal buyer? Okay, so there's six steps that you need to take whenever you're trying to define your ideal buyer. Number one, look at your current customers. If you look around at your current business, your current customers, they're going to give you a lot of insight into who are the kind of people that we want more of. Now, you don't want to look at everybody that's a customer. You want to look at your best customers. Who are the people that spend the most, are the most satisfied, are the happiest, complain the least, uh, are willing to keep coming back again and again. Those are the, the best buyers, the ones that you make the most money on, the profits on. Those are the people that you want more of, right? So if you look at your existing buyers, it will give you a good indication of the other people that you should be targeting. Number two, look at your past customers. If you look at your past customers, much like your existing buyers, it's going to give you insight into who have we had success with in the past. And what's really insightful is when you do that, many times you'll find that you have strayed as you've been building and growing your business. And you look back at those people that you used to serve and you go, those were really good clients and customers. I need to be sure I'm targeting people like them. So um, if you're, this is especially true if you're either frustrated in your business right now, but you had some success in the past, or maybe you've hit a wall in the business, the economy's changed or something's changed, and all of a sudden you're having to rethink your business. Start to look back at people who were the best customers historically with you and see if you can go after people just like them. 
Number three, check out your competition. Look at who's buying from them, who are going to their events, who's reading their advertising, what kind of people are commenting on their website or giving reviews, and that will give you some good insight into who else you should be potentially looking at as a target prospect. Number four, analyze your products or services. A good place to start if you've got more than, even if you only have one product or service, but if you have more than one product or service, list all those products out, list what all the features are, convert those features into benefits. In other words, what are the, the benefits that our products deliver? Now, I want to be really clear. A feature is what is the color, the size, et cetera. A benefit is what does it do for the client? What is the result, the outcome that it delivers? Once you know that, then you can start to match up market and problems in the market that you could possibly solve. I have a link up map that I do sometimes with folks on a whiteboard session where we put all their products and services and then we write down all the different kinds of people they're, they're currently reaching and targeting and have reached and targeted and we begin to draw lines and link up those benefits across the, the board. And sometimes it'll give you some connections between those dots that you haven't seen in the past. So that's a good process. Number five, Dial in your specific demographics. We're going to talk about what those demographics are, but you absolutely must know with as much detail as possible the demographic information of the people that are buying your products or services or that you want to target with your products and services and your marketing message. Number six is you want to consider your target market's psychographics. Not that they're psycho, but what is the psychology driving their buying behaviors in the marketplace? And we're going to go over what some of those things are and how you can understand them better. And number seven is that you want to list out your target market's behaviors and interest. This one wasn't so important to me in the past. It should have been, but it wasn't so apparent to me in the past until I got involved in digital advertising online where you are actually able to target people by their behaviors and interest. And so in a few moments, we're going to break down those three categories of information. And when we do, you'll understand the behaviors and interest even better. What are the three categories of information we should gather? Okay, so there's three categories of information that you need to gather about your target market, your potential target market. Number one is you need demographics. Number two, you need psychographics. And number three, you need behaviors and interest. Yeah, so let's break those down a little bit. Sort of talk about or picture your target market. So when you think about demographic information, this is the stuff that we typically think about when we are trying to understand a target market. We're wanting to understand things like, what is their age? What is their gender? Are they male or female? What is their marital status? Are they married, single, divorced, et cetera? You need to know that information. Number four, what is their income? What is their income level? Do they fall into a certain category of income? Number five, what is their net worth? That might be important in your particular business, especially if you're selling investment products or, or services that require a high net worth. Number six, what is their education? Did they go to high school? Did they graduate from high school? Did they not? Uh, did they go to college, trade school, et cetera? Did they have a higher level of degree, like a PhD or something? What is it that they have achieved in their education? And, you know, what's interesting is when you're doing your marketing, you're going to start seeing patterns develop as far as education as well. 
Number seven, what is their profession? In other words, what kind of business are they in? Again, you're going to see patterns develop and some of your target market, depending on who you are, may break out into other categories of professions. It may not be that everyone you target is doctors. Everyone you target is school teachers. And finally, are they retired? Um, are they still working, et cetera? So if you look at kind of a little snapshot of demographic information for a particular target market, it might look like something like this. Female, age 45 to 65, married with children, and a household income 100,000 plus, and maybe a net worth of half a million dollars or more, or something like that. So that's the kind of demographic information. So the second category is psychographic information. Now this is the stuff that's going on inside their head and their heart that's driving their buying decisions. And once you start to understand this information, it makes you a very, very powerful person, especially as you begin to try to craft your messaging and your advertising. So you want to think about questions like, what makes them happy? What problems or challenges do they have that they want solved? Number three, what are their deepest desires or wants? Number four, what goals have they set for themselves? Number five, how do they like to receive information? Number six, what excites them or drives them? And number seven, what are they wanting from a solution? What are they looking for and how, how do they articulate it in their mind? The third category of things you want to gather on your target market is what we talked about, behaviors and interest. I kind of package those together. So this is where you're going to be able to find better ways to target your market as you go out there and advertise. And so you definitely want to understand what their behaviors and interests. So some of the questions that you can ask yourself are, what books and magazines do they read? understand what that is. Number two, what websites do they visit, especially the ones that they rely on for information? Number three, who are the experts they follow or look to for advice? Number four, what TV shows or online video programming do they enjoy? Number five, what events do they attend? And number six, what is their current customer journey? So you got to understand what those behaviors are and those interests, because once you understand that information, you'll know what, ad, what websites can we advertise on and reach our target market. You'll know what um, experts that you can target because that's the people that they follow and gather advice from, the books that they read. So for example, if you're targeting someone that you discover that your target market reads books by Tim Ferriss or Bob Proctor or you know, some, some author, Gary Vaynerchuk, or someone in the marketplace. Well, guess what? You can actually target those names and find people who are interested in and who follow those people. And it makes your advertising so much easier to define and dial in. So you need to get all of this information gathered as much as you possibly can. And there's some different tools and ways for doing that. We'll talk about that later in the program. All right, so you're convinced that you need to understand and be able to clearly define your target buyer. Um, you got to get busy doing it. And I'll tell you what, this is just work. Um, some people actually try to outsource this or pawn it off on somebody else. It's, it's something that someone can help you with, but I really recommend that a business owner, an entrepreneur, invest the time and the energy into doing some of this customer research yourself target buyer research yourself. And there's some things that you can do. What's, what's interesting about it is as you begin to look at the market, you're going to, your mind is going to begin to um, figure out new and better ways to create products and services and to create messaging 
And if you pawn that off on somebody else, you're never going to gain the insights the way that you will of getting in the trenches and doing some of this research. So I highly recommend that. Okay, so there's really three big areas that I talk about that you want to look or that you want to invest some time and energy in. Number one is that you want to ask existing customers or clients. Talk to them, ask them questions. And so you're gonna be asking them questions about what are the, the biggest problems or frustrations that they're trying to solve in their life, and uh, especially as it relates to your product or service. So you can do this in different ways. One, you can survey them. So if you have a mailing list or an email list is even better, there are some survey tools out there like SurveyMonkey and other things like that where you can actually send out a survey uh, by email and get folks to walk through that survey and answer the questions. If you're going to do an online survey with your existing clients or, or buyers, I would highly suggest that you offer them some kind of an ethical bribe. What does that mean? Reward them for their time. Give them something. Give them a gift card. Give them one of your products or services. Give them tickets to something. Something, it doesn't have to be super expensive, but give them something that rewards them for their time because the information that you're going to be getting back from them is super valuable. So uh, conducting a survey is a great way to get more information. Number two, I really like these. It's conducting actual interviews with them by phone, by video conference, the way that we produced this. Um, there, you could do it in person and when you're at a, an event, if you're out there, maybe get all your clients together. If you're a local business owner, you can invite them all to a dinner or coffee or a lunch and learn or something, some kind of, uh, you can invite them to some kind of a reception and that would give them a chance to interact with you. And then while you're interacting with them, you can ask them your questions and interview them. Just picking up the phone and talking to them is gonna make you extremely powerful because you're gonna get it right from their mouth and they're going to articulate things in a way that you hadn't even thought of. The words that they say are actually the words that you'll begin using in your advertising or marketing messages whenever you get to the next step of putting together your messaging. The third way that you can ask them questions is during pre-existing contact with them. What do I mean by that? If you already have a coaching call scheduled with people, if you already have some sort of a strategy session scheduled, if you already have a service call where you're going out and meeting with your clients on a regular basis, if you run the, the route, you know, or run the traps or whatever, and you're constantly seeing your clients and you've already got time on your schedule with them, integrate this Q&A process into those contacts with them. So the second way you can research a target buyer is on the internet. It's such a powerful tool because we have the ability to search and find things very, very quickly. And we have the ability to sort of eavesdrop on people's conversations. How do you do that? Well, you can go to websites and look and see what are people doing? What are they commenting? What are they saying? What are the questions that they're asking? Whenever you look at a blog, for example, and there's comments down below the blog post, what are the things that people are saying? Because if it's an active blog or an active blog post, you can be able to gather insights from them because they literally sat there and with their own emotions and feelings, typed out what they were thinking related to that information. So find articles that are related to your topic, that are related to your product, that are related to the problem that these people are trying to solve, and then see what kind of comments that they put down below that and also find out what kind of questions that they ask in there. Another great place online to look is in forums. Now, in the old days, 
we had lots of forums and forums still exist. So you can look up like if you're, whatever your business is, put that in and then a forum. So if you are a person that targets copywriters, you type copywriting forum. If you're a person that goes after attorneys, you type attorney forum and you'll find these on the internet. What are they? They're communities where people go in and ask questions and then the peers share their answers to those questions. A new variation of that is groups. So on Facebook, we have groups. In LinkedIn, we have groups. And you can go in there. You don't even initially need to go in there and start answering questions or asking questions or posting. Certainly don't go in there and start pitching your product or service. Go into those groups and just be a fly on the wall. Watch the kind of questions people are asking. Watch the kind of answers that are given. Watch their reactions to those questions that are asked and the, and the, the answers that are given. Watch what peers answer and additional questions that are asked that are spun off of that. And you can get entire books of content of understanding into your markets. I mean, remember we talked about their psychographics, how they word their problems, what they're wanting, their expectations, their dreams, their hopes, their aspirations. You can find out what they're interested in, what they're reading, because they'll say, I was reading such and such book and it came up and uh, this is now my question and I'm trying to solve this problem. And you go, boom, there's an author. That's a name I could target in my marketing. So looking inside those, those groups, super powerful. One last thing that's kind of a little tip or trick online for doing research is to go, once you know the kind of books, potentially the books that your target market is buying to solve their problems, so how-to books potentially, um, or information, self-help books that are related to their problem, you can go and look at the books that are being sold in those categories, then scroll down to the reviews and when people write their reviews and then when people respond back to reviews and to questions on Amazon, it is golden information about how your target market articulates their problem and their frustrations and their desires and hopes and dreams. It's a great tip for being able to find information about your target market. Okay, so the third category of research that you want to do is your competition. And it's not just their website. It does include their website. But you want to research your competition's website. You want to research the ads that they're running in print, on the web, wherever you can get their information, gather information about them, go across all the different platforms. A lot of people don't know this, and this may change, but currently you can go to your competition's Facebook page, and over on the side, on if you're looking at this, over on their, your left, uh, there'll be a, a sort of like a menu of links. And the last one usually says info and ads. If you click on that link, it will actually display all of the ads that they're currently running on Facebook. That's a tip that a lot of folks don't know, but you want to look at their messaging, look at their advertising, go subscribe to their email list, get on their list and begin to pay attention to what they say and how they talk to people. It's gonna give you a lot of insight and you're gonna get some good tips as well. This could also go under number three, experts they follow or people that they look to for advice or information because when you identify who those people are, it actually will help you figure out people that you could potentially do collaborations with, that you could do strategic alliances with, that you could do joint ventures with. And I would highly suggest you go and get on their list that you follow them, connect with them, 
in all the different platforms and ways that you can and see how they're messaging and responding and talking to their target audience because they're selling to the same people that you want to sell to or do sell to. And then think about the ones that are complementary, non-competitive to you. How could you potentially reach out to them and put together some kind of a joint venture, strategic alliance or collaboration? Actually, later in this program and in the book, we're going to be talking about what I call OPX, which is other people's multiplier factors. It's other people's money, other people's resources, et cetera. In this case, it's other people's audience and influence. And so we'll talk about that later in the book and later in the program. So when you're thinking about your target buyer or your target customer, I want to speak briefly about the importance of understanding the customer journey. The customer journey is this. If you were to put them on a timeline and over at the start is put, a, in fact, I do this on a whiteboard a lot of times, and we might do this as an illustration to go along with this video, but I will draw a timeline and over at the starting point, I'll draw a sad face and over at the end, I draw a happy face. Over here is your target buyer, where they start in their journey. And over at the end is where they end up, where they have their problems solved and all their frustrations answered, et cetera. There is a journey that they're going to take. And in that journey, they're going to have different levels of awareness. They're going to have different levels of desire. They're going to have different levels of understanding of what their problem is and what solutions are out there in the marketplace, as well as they're going to be buying other products and services before, during, and after their conversation and their communication with you. And so you want to make sure that you understand what that customer journey is, where do they start, where do they go, what all are they experiencing, what are the steps that they're taking in that process because your messaging will need to adapt to that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the chapter where we discuss messaging. Okay, so I hope you're enjoying this training, these videos, this content, this information. If you're trying to target your customer, if you're trying to figure out who's the ideal buyer, if you're trying to figure out who's the person that would be willing to give you the most money to solve their problems and services, then you definitely wanna go through all this training. But you wanna get all the training. And where you're going to get all of this training in one encapsulated piece is to go to jpmaroney.com slash POP, jpmaroney.com slash POP. One of the other resources that we have that we're super excited that we're going to give you absolutely free is a worksheet for completely defining that customer avatar. So all of this training that we've been going through in this section of Pillars of Profit all of that training and information is written out for you in a set of questions and blanks, and you can download that in PDF format. You can get that resource along with other resources that we have for the book at jpmaroney.com forward slash POP, jpmaroney.com forward slash POP. That's for Pillars of Profit. Get the resources, get the toolkit, and I'll see you inside. You've been listening to the J.P. Maroney Audio Vault. You're enjoying Pillars of Profit, an original series from J.P. Maroney. Get the complete series plus free bonus content at jpmaroney.com slash p-o-p.